1: SAP
2: Let's get done for
1: eSports! Hello and welcome to Nerf This, the esports show that is rebranding as the B Sports Show because we like burgers. I'm your host Brian Huff, and I'm joined, as I always am, by a very reluctant seven. Hello, sir.
2: I was hoping it was going to be breakfast, man. I was hoping to be breakfast. Uh, how long have you been planning that one? Have you like? No, it literally just popped in. My, you and, yeah. know
1: me; I don't put any thought into this. It, it came to me as we were recording another <laughs> segment. I was like, "Oh my oh. god, I can make an IHOP joke," and so here we are. I also huh. agree. Like, Couldn't it just have been International House of Breakfast? That's what you do. Instead, you decided to pivot to burgers. That being said, Burger King and Wendy's cracking my shit up with their social media
2: responses. Now it's Pancake King. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh.
1: <laughs> All
2: right. I love how it's like the esports show, and then all we do is talk about food. I, that's just, good. That's we
1: good. just rebranded. Listen to what I'm saying.
2: Oh, that's right, man. Burger ah, sports. What are all these notes for? <laughs> what are these topics? <laughs> what are we talking about? We should just be a talking new about the type menu. of
1: garlic aioli that tastes amazing with a wagyu beef burger. Juicy. But no, we have a lot we got to get to today. It is E3 week, which means we're going to get to nerd out near the end of the show about some of the awesome trailers, and and we'll play the stupid game of, is it going to be an eSport? But first, we're going to talk about the Rainbow Six Pro League again. Um, It's been a a bit of an up-and-down week for that group of folks. Um, We talked maybe three weeks ago, I think it was, about changes coming to the Pro League, and now we have quite a bit more information. We know the teams that are going to be involved, and... It looks pretty good. I mean, th- this there's a playbook here now, like of how these smaller leagues can spin something up quickly that looks very legitimate, and it is legitimate. I should say, looks legitimate, um, and provides a lot of stability for the level of play that the games are at. Um, I-, I continue to be impressed.
2: Yeah, I think Ubisoft looks like they have their their stuff together. And my only question is, why did this happen? A year ago? They've, been, they've been plugging away at eSports. Even when we started the show, they were talking like, there's some amazing stuff coming, or amazing things in the pipeline for eSports and and Rainbow Six, which I, I love. I really, really love watching Rainbow Six. Uh, but it just never seemed to really take off as an eSport. Yep. Now, I mean, I'm sure Ubisoft will argue, like, "We here are the numbers, we're doing better. I get it, but you're not tier one. But I always assumed <laughs> it was like going to be more than the tier three or tier four which it has been yep. it, but to see this group of teams that have jumped into this uh, their new structure for how they're going to do uh, the new rules and how they're going to lay out the game just makes so much sense and it i'm hoping it will do well uh if it will start on time uh if it will do well uh, largely because it feels like if it hasn't taken off, then Ubi has taken like the last two years, essentially, to kind of like figure it out. And this looks like they've figured it out so far. Now, if they can just get a patch that makes things work, we will be okay. <laughs> Whoops. So let's go through some of this. Some of this will be a little bit of a
1: recap, but I think it's important to cover. So the uh, new format for the Pro League this year splitting each year into two six-month seasons. Uh, prior to this, it was three-month seasons, so they're making longer seasons and less of them. Uh, They're organizing the major in between each session, so there are uh, currently the major in Paris and then the invitational. Uh, They're increasing the number of land events. They've also confirmed, they've made a commitment to... esports in general for Rainbow Six until 2020 whether it'll continue in this format we will see but they have committed through 2020 so that is two more years past the 2018 season we're in now for those of you that can't do math which you're probably like oh yeah two years it's a hell of a lot more commitment than we tend to get out of anything in esports so kudos to them for that uh, they're introducing a revenue share based pilot program um, featuring 11 of the teams Uh, In Europe, North America, Latin and Asian Pacific, uh, those pilot programs continues like charms, which are the things that hang off the guns for those of you that that play Rainbow Six or don't. uh, And there's also the skins, and they will receive 30% of all revenue from those items that are sold. So that's awesome. Um, They're also changing the percentages of the prize pool and how they get distributed out to the teams. So now we have 11 teams included in the program. So this is Penta... Sports, Evil Geniuses, SK, FaZe Clan, Ninjas in Pajamas, Fanatic, Vitality, Rogue, Mouse Sports, Team Liquid, and Immortals. So, your perennial esports brands, which, much like we said when Paladins did wow. this with Wessa, is good to have these teams involved.
2: And also look at Immortals is going with a Latin America team as yes. well. yep. Which is something that Noah's been jumping into in the last week or so. And everybody uh, assumed it
1: was going to be a Counter-Strike team, remember, when he was down there visiting people yeah. got Well,
2: up. no, the, he they the, he does have a Immortals area no I well, yeah, he was He's looking for Brazilian. MIBR. Yeah, he was looking up for yeah, Brazilian
1: yeah. players. is what people were. He was going right. to sign SK. Uh,
2: well, that's a, a thought. It's still <laughs> it's still up in the air, but uh, no, th- so there he's bringing back uh, MIBR and, and CSGO. But the fact is he's continuing uh, to build the Immortals brand or continuing to invest in Latin American esports, which is cool. I think that's uh, he respects it so far from what I've seen, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm glad he's heading up some investment down there.
1: I'll be interested to see if that, just as a random aside, I'll be interested to see if that brings him into games like Smite, for example, that have actually a pretty large following in Brazil specifically compared to what they have in America. Like You and I found this out going to High Res Expo a few years ago, where it's like, yeah, we have all these Brazilian media that we bring because the game is super popular there, so maybe he'll uh, start it mm-hmm. up there. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, so a good investment here, which... Uh, Ubisoft, they're certainly sticking to their word. I don't think this is enough to elevate it to some crazy level... But it does provide a level of legitimacy for the game and for the league to have the teams that they have involved. They're putting revenue sharing model in place, which is a good way to guarantee some stability for the organizations that don't go as well. Now, not every team that is participating in this in the um, pro league is part of this program. The 11 teams that I named are the 11 that are part of the uh, pilot-based revenue share program. So we'll see if they continue to expand that over the next couple of years. But not everything went well for the Pro League because they've now, due to a tech, this is the largest, longest technical break in the history of esports, they have to take a week before they can uh, actually kick off the season due to a patch that is causing a problem.
2: Yeah, so there's uh, an interesting thing here, and I'm going to derail this just a little bit because I was, something just kind of clicked, and I'm wondering how much this rumor is true about tencent buying out esl and e- 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 ecs essentially sorry about I, I, this? I get whiplash from your orthogonal yes i i have heard so this. okay so tencent is, is looking to buy into the so but uh tencent also has uh some ownership or some controlling shares or within ubisoft among many and,
1: many other companies
2: right amongst everybody else but if Tencent was also looking to buy into ESL, then they'd also be owning DreamHack. So the fact that they're talking about further pushing Rainbow Six at DreamHack and Tencent has some stake in Ubisoft and Ubisoft doing well in an esports scene, oh man, no, I, we, we haven't talked about this. This is like a whole other episode, I know, but like that's... In the end, I everything's owned by
1: Tencent, so...
2: Right, right. I'm just wondering if there's actually some more legitimacy to that now that I'm seeing this kind of stuff coming from Ubisoft. Or why were they waiting? Were they waiting for a 10 cent thing? Like, I, I don't know. Anyways, that aside, uh, that that's a, that's a scary future. Um, uh, <laughs> I think personally, but yeah, the ESL essentially having to postpone it this week, um, because of of, of a patch not working out correctly. I mean. It, if you look at the the new rules and the things that they've done uh, and and tried to put it in place, it makes sense that maybe all is just not going to work right. Right? You know, I mean, it seems like they've essentially kind of rushed the new format piece. Uh, my guess is also that they aren't playing on like the normal servers and so on and so forth. They're probably smart. Yes. Hello, hello Hearthstone. Uh, <laughs> and so they they it's it's again it's probably a specific patch towards uh, the. You know the, the surface in which they're playing on, so I, I don't, I don't necessarily know why, but they had to delay it a week, which delays everybody a week. But I'd rather it work. Yeah, and <laughs> right? we've, see,
1: we've seen this in the past, right? Like Overwatch League well, we saw, we saw, yeah, has Overwatch, dealt with this yeah. issue because the patch is specific to the esports side of things, where they have like the observer code and things of that nature. And for this case, if they said they're going to play on this um, particular patch for this season and not being able to kick off with it, I actually. This is a bold move, but I'm going to say a controversial statement. I like the idea of delaying it a week and playing with something you promised and more dynamic than having to leave, you know, a rework of a hero, for example, out of Overwatch League because, like, I can't do it and we want consistency throughout the entire season, so we are just not going to. Play with this patch for a whole other stage, which is the, the direction yeah. Overwatch League went. I get the implications yeah. of delaying for a week is massive for our, an operation the size of Overwatch League, but it's still a bold move on Ubi's part.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you haven't kicked off, right? So it's better to do it now than in the middle of it or after one week and then lose some momentum. Overwatch, I'm sure, had some kind of weird contractual stuff for uh, just the, I mean, you're going into the, the, the final stage. Like you can't just delay it until you fix things. Right. Everything's Although, moved by a week. Yeah, yeah, like it doesn't work the same that way, but yeah, I I agree with it with you and with ESL and and Ubisoft for delaying it a week. Thank you for agreeing with all of us. We are glad that you Finally. validated. Yeah, our that's it. Show's <laughs> over. It only
1: took three years. We're to get To the point. Where we're agrees. canceled.
2: That's how you know we were canceled. Seven agreed, and now we're done. <laughs> we're back to burgers. All right. Bye. Um, so if you want to tune into
1: the Pro League, and I'm going to give this another go, like I struggle, I, I like playing this game. This game is actually a ton of fun if you have not tried out Rainbow I Six Siege. I jump scare
2: Siege. all the time still on that game. I
1: know, I know. I but know. It, it is harder to watch as an eSport. We've talked about this in the past. You check out one of, the, of our old episodes around uh, Rainbow Six Siege. Like, it definitely has some observer challenges that they're still trying to figure out. But it kicks off now with the new official start date of June 18th, so that'll be uh, coming up next week. So make sure to check that out. A little bit of Overwatch League news. So uh, we talked in the past, they are talking about expanding by up to six teams. That number has been reconfirmed again. Um, And it appears one of those Southeast Asian teams, because if you remember, they were talking about doing two from the Americas, two from Europe and the Middle East, and two from the Asia-Pacific region. It looks like one of those is potentially in Australia in the city of Melbourne, or Melbourne, if you are from Australia. This is an interesting move in light of... I get it, but this regionality thing I can't get out of my head. When I'm reading things, there's another article that flew across the wire in the last week or two about how they're talking about they want to be playing home games by 2020. And now you've got like Shanghai and Melbourne and London and it makes me really nervous. I don't think it's not that I don't think Australia should have a team, but the cost of like moving this production around the world, it's insane to me that they're going to do this.
2: Yeah, I, I I agree that Australia should get a team, and I think a lot of people assumed it was going to be Sydney over Melbourne, yeah. right? So, yeah, uh, Melbourne. But yeah, Melbourne. Uh, so I don't know why I say that. Melbourne. I don't know why you started that. I don't even know how I originally say it or how <laughs> I would have said it, but now you have been tainted with Melbourne. Yeah, all, uh, all the it,
1: Australians are going to be sending us angry tweets. You're saying it all wrong with your crappy American send accent. Me,
2: s- send me good beer that's not Foster's, because I know Foster's is awful there. Send it's me Australian good beer. for beer. Let's get all the uh, yeah. stereotypes out of the way. Yeah, but also, I mean, the the group that came out with this article was the Australian Financial Review. So not maybe the most tied into esports. Uh, they are citing people. Uh, again, it could have been as simple as uh, Blizzard looking into it, right? Uh, looking into what it would cost to to build something there, or what. Whatever it may be, we've seen this before where, like, a simple inquiry is to, well, we, we want to consider it turn into, it's a common, I don't know. Like, it, it makes sense that they would be somewhere in Australia. It's they need common. to have one Australian team. They do. I think Australia is, is huge for esports for them as well. as like One of their top contender teams is from there. And so I, it makes sense. Um, I think it would be good. I still, I don't know what happens in 2020. It'll be pushed out a week and then they'll start moving people <laughs> around. Maybe. I don't know. They're, they're really pushed count- out a week and then they'll reconsider that. It'll be 2022 before that happens.
1: Yes. I think they're I, really I just counting get- on Touring Elon Musk's better. tunnel system coming online before 2020. Yeah. So they can just like tube around the world. Um, some other yeah. cities being rumored, uh, Berlin, Paris, Amsterdam, a second team based in London, which Jesus, Mary and Joseph, I don't get this. Like, there are too many – if you're really about diversity and spreading esports around the country, when you make these moves that are all about the money, which is what I truly believe the second LA franchise yeah. was about, and here we are with the <laughs> second London franchise with Chicago, Seattle, like there's a bunch of areas – that don't have a team yet, both in the U.S. and outside of the U.S., that I think are far more deserving of that is your goal than just like, well, we can sell London for another $60 of to this sucker and we'll just have two London teams like we have two L.A. teams. Like It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me at this point. No, I mean, it does it, I it get why you're doing it, but I just wish you a,
2: wouldn't do it. A second London team being on the radar is largely there because of Fnatic. Fnatic is based out of there. So that's why the rumor of a second London team is there. Yeah. And that was also... A huge joke when uh, between Cloud9 and Fnatic when Cloud9 got a spot in London, uh, basically. It was almost one of the right around the same time ish, or like a month or two after Fnatic was touting like their whole office being there and yada, yada, yada. So, anyways.
1: They're right up there with the 76ers involvement in esports. It's all legit. It's
2: great. Oh, man. I saw saw on some like random esports site. Uh, I think it was Golden State, whatever it is, uh, looking for like a uh, I don't know their NBA is it their NBA two K league or something like that. Yes, looking for like a general manager of esports basically on like a esports Craigslist Craigslist <laughs> kind of plays. I'm like, oh man, it's not looking good for you guys. If that's the case, uh, don't get but, me started. I don't want to go on the rant I went on earlier in the week
1: about the two K league because it was I, I probably picked the wrong games to watch, but I, I was not impressed. Moving on, let's talk a little bit about an announcement from E-League. I'm treading lightly here. Uh, Disclaimer, we have involvement with E-League. I'm going to try to cover this without uh, pissing off people that sign our checks. Uh, So E-League has announced they have partnered with Kraken Black Spice Rum, which I've never had. I imagine it's tasty. I
2: don't know. I'm going to drink lots of it when when, when we're in Atlanta.
1: Yeah, in fact, uh, E-League, hey, I know you listen. Um, You have my address. I would love my complimentary case of... uh, crack and black spice let me
2: finish moving and then i will just (laughs) come down with my car and you can just load it up yes so they
1: they are now i love this the rub brand is now the first official distilled spirits partner of e-league which is just great i need that on a t-shirt by the way like that would be pretty awesome but the e-league crack and boss battle will bring fans face to face with some of their favorite pro players competing against each other in front of a live audience this is interesting for a couple of reasons One, that it is signaling an interesting, we'll call it expansion for now. I don't want to call it a change in direction. I don't know anything, by the way, behind the scenes of what's going on here. But it's an interesting expansion of the content we've seen out of E-League that I think has started with the Challenger series that they did the reality-based TV show for leading up to the Street Fighter V Invitational. This is also very interestingly sounding like some of the ideas you and I were tossing around when we talked about Fortnite and the weird the interesting bounty system that they've done for the ninja events and this is a way to bring esports content in a little bit more digestible way you can bring other games into the equation without having to support like how do i televise this is something we talked a lot around dota last year when they were doing a lot of the documentary type content this is another thing that falls into that category it's very interesting to see them go this direction
2: yeah, and I think this kind of stuff works well for them because they want to be kind of agnostic to a specific game. So creating these is like random one-off invitationals, like the uh, uh, the what was it last year was it Virtus Pro versus uh, was it Astralis? Yeah, what yeah, like the the like rematch the showdown, thing. rematch, like that kind of stuff was really cool, and I, and I like that kind of uh, that kind of um, thought that they put into it right and so i also think that uh, I, I don't necessarily want to see them go the reality tv show route right i get there's a couple of reasons behind it one you want to kind of create just like anybody who streams you want to kind of create a, a general rhythm to things going out like every week so every friday night you want to know that e-league's on with something esports related whatever it may be yeah doesn't have to be the same thing every time just it doesn't has have to be, be a tournament thing. every time either Right. It doesn't have to be a tournament. So, you know, they, they had the, the Dota 2 documentaries that ran for a couple of weeks. And and, and so, having all these things that, uh, even if it's documentary style uh, it versus reality TV, whatever you want to call it, I guess they're both technically the same in some aspects. It just, having content is good. It reminds me of the old days of uh, G4 TV, and they had all these, yep. they always had something going on. You could kick on G4 TV, and you know, like, hey, there's something gaming going on. And then Probably it's not comps. a good. Yeah, then they got bought and then just turned into reruns of Cops. But so, probably not the best example. <laughs> but I love that. And I remember, like, that was the All That was all great time. because I would watch anything gaming related, right? And, and right. a lot of gamers will uh, sit in front of their TV, pop on TBS, it's E League time. I'll watch something. I know it'll be entertaining. Whether or not it's done in studio or documentary style, you know, the real world E League version, I don't, it doesn't matter. Like, they need something, and and so this kind of content makes sense. And it's a similar and I think direction. To they that, need to keep it going. Yeah, and it's a similar direction to the gaming block we've seen on like
1: Disney XD, right? That like IGN was involved in, where you're like it shows that there is con- there is interest in that type of content, and I also think it's a good way to build up the brands of individual players across esports more, right? Like this is something that is not. You know, right along with Malik, you know, hosts having coffee in cars or whatever the hell they're calling that Toyota thing that the Overwatch League is doing. It's it's something similar to that, but where they're in more of just like a chill environment. I actually, as much as I, I kind of like agree with you and like the, the true reality TV, like the real world kind of Street Fighter stuff that E-League has done, at first I was like, oh God, this is going to be cringy. But if you think about it at a basic level, like you now know those FGC players in a different way than you might have known right. them if you just, right. you know, get a 30 second, you know, bumper before they go on stage or something of that nature. And it's a little bit more relatable, too, because I always feel like while they're really well done when E League or any other league goes in and does those like two or three minute things, they can get a little redundant and it's the, like, do your parents think of esports? Well, and this is more of just like, hey, here's some, here's a low tier God being a dick to people in, a, in, a, in an apartment. Like,
2: yeah, and when you also look at some of this stuff, uh, the more you know about a player, the more you know about uh, how much effort they put into the game or whatever it may be, or just a, more of an understanding of a game, you, you start to realize that, like, oh, hey, this game is way more complicated or way has much more depth than maybe is on the surface. And some people tend to like games a little bit more because of just how complex they are, and you know that, like, just how much goes into it. Now, someone's looking at, say... Uh, you know, uh, some FGC like street fighter five players. And they're like, Oh yeah, I played that in a, a arcade. How is that a sport? And then you go into the point down to the fact that they're looking at like frames data. They're looking at all kinds of stuff and the amount that they practice and, and everything that's going on and how fast they move and how they think and how they try and get into each other's heads. The more you know about that, the, the more you're like, wow, there's a lot more to this. Yeah. there's not mashing think, buttons. Right. It's not just like, they're not just randomly hitting stuff, right? Go up and try and play against one of them. And then, try not to cry on tv so like that kind of thing but the, the tbs uh what i've always said is that the greatest esports audience out there is the people who aren't watching it right and so you want to be able to create these things that captivate them and bring them in yeah. not just serve the communities that are being served by a dream or another esl or whatever it may be you want to grab people who are just maybe flipping channels on tbs or maybe that late night, night slot is on Twitch.
1: That late night slot yeah. is great for that, actually, right? Like we, right. I, I, That is interesting. You bring up a good point because it's a different slant that we. Uh, I haven't really thought of, which is like esports being on TV is great. But if I tune in and I just see a video game being played and there's nothing else around it and I don't understand what's going on. I'm far less likely to tune in, but if I'm flipping looking for cops, and I flip across like the Challenger house, and I'm like, oh, well, what's this thing? Like, oh, they're playing video. Oh, what the hell? Like, or, Why is
2: everyone wearing sweatpants? It's, like, like, it's yeah. this weird.
1: Like, oh, she's hot. <laughs> oh, that guy's an asshole. Like, the same things you go through when you watch the real world. And like, maybe it does pull people in. They're like, oh, now I'm more interested in a Street Fighter. It's a gateway. It's a different type of gateway, and that's interesting. I've not thought about it from that perspective, but the, the, they are smarter than I, clearly, at E. League, which is why they're doing it, and we're just rambling into a microphone. So... Um, no news on yet uh, that I've seen when this will come out. Um, but Kraken is now the official marketing partnership. Will kick off as part of the Street Fighter Five Invitational, so we'll start seeing that stuff pop up. But there is more to come on that front from E League. It sounds like, and um, if you and I don't get on an episode of this, I'll be very upset.
2: I, if I don't get some Kraken, I'm gonna be
1: upset. <laughs> Send the Kraken. Let's talk a little Hearthstone. Um. I'm, so you you alluded to this in an earlier episode. If you uh, listen to Esports Daily, you would know this if you did not. Why the hell are you not listening to Esports Daily? But you talked a bit about this on that, and I want to give you a chance to elaborate. But there's been a lot of drama around HCT Soul, um, specifically com- with an issue with the nerfed card and people being unprepared. So you'll be far better at the details on this. But this is, again, like the HCT making a very um, obvious and public misstep.
0: Well,
2: uh, it's it's yeah, it's Blizzard Team Five dropping a patch that essentially broke some things, um, and the fact is uh, two things: one, uh, they they dro- they didn't tell anybody the patch was coming. And two, they dropped it hours after the deadline to submit decks for HCT Soul, which is a Hearthstone tour stop. It's basically backed by Blizzard, not necessarily run by Blizzard, but it's backed by them. So it's something which you earn HCT points for and have the ability to kind of move on throughout the year because of it. So that's a pretty big deal, especially when one of the decks, primarily that it broke, it, that broke. Was the the quest druid slash Malagos druid. And it was some of the interactions basically, like when, how, uh, whether or not a minion counts towards that quest. And part of the way that quest, that deck functions is once you trigger that quest, then you are able to more easily trigger your combo, which is just smack people in the face for like 42 damage for, you know, for basically in one turn, like an OTK basically. And so uh, what happened is it broke that. And so what they did is they decided to, uh, they came out earlier earlier in the day. Say, well, we're we're going to just continue to make people use that, use the the current patch is what we're playing on. Sorry, and <laughs> and, and people were like, no, not sorry, not cool. A lot of people even jumped into it. They, they, some you wouldn't expect. Uh, like Brian Kibler, but Brian Kibler is generally uh, always gives constructive feedback, but a lot of people are like, Oh, look, oh my god, oh my gosh, he's upset about it. Right. And he's, he was right about it. Like a lot of these players involved in this tour stop paid their own money to go there. And they're, they're not owned. They're not a team. Isn't helping them. They're doing it themselves. No, and an now ACT you tour find out. Stop, so it's like, this is right. the whole point of these things. And now you find the day of, or the morning of, or the day before that, Oh, you can't, you, you, you uh, one, uh, one of your four decks, uh, or one of your five decks is screwed, or your four decks is actually screwed now, and that sucks, right? Because and now and it wasn't just the druid, which is well, I'll get to that in a second. That patch broke a lot of things within the history and how certain decks in general work. So if you were playing like an Exodia Major Shutterwalk is actually the really good example. Uh, two people I believe still brought Shutterwalk. Well, Blizzard didn't – they didn't cave. They came to their senses and said, okay, we'll let people who submitted the Questro decks resubmit. Now, this is a, – there's a lot of problems with that mentality as well. That actually was just like a half-assed way of doing it. right? And, and largely it came, came down to the point like, well, there were – and there was 15 people who submitted or something like that. And the problem with that is is that if anybody – was essentially built their deck and there's a a, a deck meta around. Uh, there's a whole meta countering, around you're trying to counter the, countering the a specific too, yeah. deck. That's probably, uh, again, it's most people probably weren't trying to counter that one specifically. But if you were, now you're screwed because now they've allowed the people who bring it to not bring it. Yeah, and now you have a dead and deck. So, so now you have right, more people with dead decks. Right. And if you're someone who brought a Shutterwalk deck, it's publicly known how to basically bug out your deck, and you lose. So it's just it's not cool. So let everybody resubmit.
1: Do they have the same deck ban system in the HCT Tour stops that they do in the main events, like where you could basically ban out So you could be even more screwed because somebody could purposely ban out something else, forcing you to play the deck they know will not work.
2: Right, right. And what happened with Shutterwalk was basically, a long story short, uh, if something happened in terms of one of your minions was... Uh, say polymorphed or silenced, Shutterwalk wouldn't repeat that battle cry because it would, it, for some reason, it was drawing the state from the history or whatever it may be, and it didn't see that menu. So, therefore, you didn't get like duplicates or it didn't uh, decrease something. So, anybody playing against you said, Oh, I just silenced that one and now I've screwed your Shutterwalk value out. Like, and like, that and sucks. I get
1: it. We're rough around Blizzard in general, especially around the HCT, and it's hard when. It's not the esports arms necessary, you know, uh, responsibility for the original problem, which is like Team 5 dropped something and it wasn't coordinated well. I get all that, but like... Here we are again, like trying to make snap decisions. That, that you're you kind of up against a rock and a hard place. Um, and and I get that part, but man, it just like yeah, like like with the points counting and some of the other issues they've had over the years of the HCT, it just always saddens me because it's such an individual sport. And I think oftentimes the game, the players are impacted more directly when things like this happen than if it would, like you said, like if there's an organization to absorb uh, the cost of them moving around. That's just not going to be as widespread, especially at this level of the HCT, and that's uh, that's unfortunate.
2: Yeah. And well, what also sucks about this is, you know, they knew HCT. So it was going on. They chose to drop this patch, which fundamentally changed while they say we were just trying to correct things back to how they should be working. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You told it's everybody to submit, no. and then you <laughs> broke their stuff. Yeah. And then you said, "Hey, you can't," or some of you now can. It yep. just it made it a, a mess, and it really messes with the legitimacy of a tournament when something like that happens, yep. uh, and makes a lot of people really, 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 really mad, it, who work very hard in the scene to get there. Yep. And. Ironically, the person who won it, Hunter Ace, actually had a Malagos Druid, but he uh, didn't do the quest version. He actually ran <laughs> the, the, the non quest version. Like, but he I'm was the only, I think he was the only one to bring it. Not one about of this two people drama. brought, but they both brought the, the non quest version. So. <sighs>
1: Blizzard. Anyways. We love know. you.
2: If you need some help
1: answering emails, sending emails. <laughs> Asking questions of people, you know.
2: We, I mean, there's. No, I don't see why they wouldn't have just dropped it after the fact. Yes, uh, yeah. There's a coordination there's going on this here. week. But Somebody like, is yeah. in a blameless agile retro right now about
1: that seven. Yeah,
2: I mean, there were other things that were affected, but including Tess Gramey and a lot of other interactions. But the the main one that really did have an impact on that tournament was the quest druid and shutterwalk bug. <sighs> Unfortunate sadness. Yes.
1: Alright, well we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to be joined by our own Jewel Scott to uh, talk about this interesting article from the Esports Observer about the state of the HGC. (laughs) And we're back. And it's uh, time to talk a little HGC. And in order to do that, we need someone who has some damn idea what they're talking about. So we have Jules. Hello, Jules. Welcome to the show.
0: Hi, guys. It's good to see you. It's been a while.
1: Can I refer to you as our Jules Scott now as opposed to Jules Scott of other things?
0: I think we can make this official, don't you? Uh,
1: maybe I don't know seven. How do you feel about commitment? I, I know you got some. I'm, are, I'm
2: already hitched to this
1: show. <laughs> uh.
2: It's the most <laughs> glorious marriage
1: we have ever odd. had. It has been a wonderful honeymoon of a three years.
2: Yeah, exactly. The most fruitful <laughs> relationship I've had thus far.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so sad. There's a lot of people I don't want to ever hear that line. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, he's like what? What? Yeah. Hello. Oh, but enough about our relationship problems. We're talking about the HGC, but specifically this article, Jules. It came out from the Esports Observer. Um, is throwing shade, as the kids say, the uh, proper way to discuss uh, some of the conversation in this article?
0: I don't know if you want to say throwing shade. It it's more of a synopsis of where we've come from and where we are now. And That's such a rosy why... version of this. It is, but it's like they they go kind of they go kind of dark. Because they go into the whole, why aren't sponsors staying in with the teams? And they really kind of dig into that. And they actually talk to actual sponsors who have left the scene, which is kind of cool. Because you can actually hear what they're saying.
1: Instead of us (laughs) randomly conjecturing about about why they do that.
0: Exactly. But how do we keep our jobs then? I know. You just got to dig further. You got to dig deeper. Pringles, Um, what's up? (laughs) <laughs> and uh but you know they they also talked to, to one of the current uh sponsors and was like every, and they were with it, everything's great and it's great for us we're kind of new too so um the, the the basis of this article though and, and you know we're all we're all blizzard fans here um is that HGC has always kind of been the redheaded stepchild of the blizzard esports universe and now that you've got Overwatch League it's like we're I mean, I say we, but because I'm—I've been a fan for so long that you kind of feel like you've been left behind for Big Brother. That actually, it's Little Brother because we're Big Brother. <laughs> we were here. You're, you're the older <laughs> one,
1: but you're the bastard child, apparently, because they don't want to give any investment. <laughs> and this is actually interesting. So, Seven and I on several occasions have talked with Sam Braithwaite. Um, usually at BlizzCon, it's like our annual conversation with him about um, how things are going in the HGC, and. If I'm being frank, sometimes, I, and I'd love your take on this, but I get a lot of positivity, and I get a lot of, like, grandiose words that talk about ideas, but then when it comes down to, like, significant changes to the HGC, I don't necessarily see them, like, these these leaps and bounds improvements that could make it something viable.
2: Well, I think a lot of what they've been doing is largely using the HGC as a testing ground for formats, right? I think yeah. they've done that for the past couple of years. They've changed it up. Either, it's either that or they're trying to find something that totally works within HGC. But if you're <laughs> changing help. the format every year, you're franchising, you're doing whatever it may be. I mean, those things can affect uh, just how people perceive the league. In, like in this case, that it, it's it's having a lot of issues or it's not loved enough. But if you're changing it, and uh, in in the likelihood that you're well, you're you're changing with it, and you're wanting to make it better, right? <laughs> you're you're not changing because it's not working necessarily, or because it's totally broken. I mean, if you if you left it the same and it was broken, then I would say yes, you're being treated unfairly. But trying new things to try and keep it alive, keep it healthy. then honestly, if they if they didn't care enough about the HGc, they would have not done anything like two three years ago, right? They would just left right. it as it was. People bailing, not necessarily doing the franchising, not creating any kind of structure, but they put uh, they put some effort behind it. Is it as much effort as Overwatch League? No, because is the buy in for a franchise in HTC twenty million. No, no. so it's twenty five cents. <laughs> not not, as, not exactly right. So it's it's one of those things where I, I don't think they're necessarily being treated unfairly. I think Overwatch has is the uh, the poster child for Blizzard esports. Everything is going behind that right now. Um, but I think at the same point in time, like they're just, they're spread really thin. Like even look at what Call of Duty is getting, right? And that's another thing that's not necessarily under Blizzard's arm, but it's under Activision Blizzard's arm. Yeah. And it and doesn't get as much love.
1: Yeah. And one of the things, um, speaking of Sam Braithwaite, like he now is over multiple games esports. Um, so mm-hmm. that obviously spreading yeah. him thin as well. So, Jules, I, I agree with some of what Seven is saying here. Where's the like, where do you draw the line between doing experimentation to try to find the right solution, knowing that that may cause you some sponsors and dealing with the just overall maybe general negativity that caused by sponsors leaving, right? Like this is a, article is a perfect example. Like we're highlighting the fact that sponsors have left because they have not been happy with the options available to them. They refer to it as gimmicks. Um, how much of that do, should they worry about? How, how bad does it look to have these sponsors depart while you're trying to figure this all out?
0: I think that the the major problem that you're looking at with HTC is that it has always been a reactive mode format. They've always been never proactive, always reactive. And it's like, oh, we have this problem. We should fix that problem instead of anticipating the problem. And it gives a feeling like they don't really know what they're doing. And (laughs) for the most part, they probably don't. And that's okay. I think the comparison comes into when you get overwatch league and you have like these massive expectations of $20 million spots to be able to fill. And like, we're going to sell this. It's a no brainer. We're going to get these rosters that are insanely good. And then there's HGC like, Hey guys, we, we, we can't even keep sponsors in, in, in the, the league itself because they don't feel like they're being treated fairly. Um, In the article, they talked about tricked eSport, who just recently left HTC. And the comments that were made in the article were that there wasn't a fair trade. Like, there's eight teams in each region for HTC. NA, um, EU, Korea has a couple fewer, I think. But everybody wasn't treated equally. It was like the Top Guns, Fnatic and Dignitas would get the preferential treatment for these player summits. The ones that were on the bottom of the ladder had to figure out their schedules around Dignitas and Fnatic. and, And it was very unfair. And they were like, we can't make this work. Plus, they're also looking at the fact that they're just not drawing in the revenue unless these teams qualify for the big tournaments. And that's not helpful. Like, we just got back... The revenue sharing program the twitch bits the htc cheer yep, yep right right and, yeah, and like it, everybody was screaming about how it was like absent through 2018 like where the hell is it what happened to cheer because it was like you have the revenue. system in place
1: yeah. you'd already done it previously it's like not, not it's not like it's a new thing
0: Right. And they just they did it. It was very successful. And it just came back now. It's June. It it came back for the midseason brawl. Our our regular season started in January.
1: Yeah, you've missed basically an entire half a season. And that matters because like you said, it's revenue. And for a lot of the smaller teams, it's the best they can hope for. They're not going to draw big individual sponsors. And I do think part of the reason why you see this perceived bias to these larger organizations is, let's be honest, if I'm going to sell a Sour Patch Kids, I'm not going to do it on the back that tricked esports. eSport. Like, it's hard enough in general to do it for heroes, because heroes suffers from some a very basic reality. Overwatch is, with maybe some argument, the top hero shooter, absent of any eSport involvement, right? It is just the most popular game of its type, so making an eSport of it and bringing top quality players to it is easy. You can sell sponsorships when you see that a large amount of people are aware of the game and aware of the players that you're going to attach these gimmicks to. Right When Malik is rolling around in a Toyota, it only matters if people care about the player sitting next to him. The HGC is, at best, and I'm going to be a little brutal here, but is, at best, the fourth best MOBA like, you can play. And that hurts it from the get-go, because when you have your League and your Dota, and I'd argue Smite to a large degree if you look around what's going around in Smite Pro League, you're going to have these types of problems. What I would actually love to see is not that it gets the love that Overwatch League gets because it doesn't make sense to give it the love. You could invest the same amount of money in HGC as you do Overwatch League. You're not going to get the same results because generally speaking, the game is not as popular. That's not to say it can't exist as an eSport, but you have to scale your expectations to the size of the game. So with all that being said... I, I do feel like that's what Blizzard is doing to a certain extent. Now I can't speak to what's going on here. It would not surprise me, in all the experience I've had in the last three years, like people can't run esports. Like there is like the number of things that could be solved by just like answering people's emails on time and like communicating when the player summit is to everyone. <laughs> it's like just type a couple extra email addresses. It's not that hard, and we laugh at it, but it is like a problem. But smaller esports. Have it more together. When was the last time you read something like this around, like, RLCS or Paladins or something of that nature? Because they take care of this type of thing that tends to cause this type of feelings, right? Like, yes, you probably are being biased against. Uh, it's probably not for a good reason. They they need Dignitas. They need Fanatic because those are the only brand names that matter, and they're hoping for some sort of residual. Now, I'm trying to right. be negative on HOTS here. But, like, I can't think – I don't know about you, Sam, but if you think about, like, the lower tier of esports, like, they are run pretty, you know, rough compared to some of the smaller esports that probably have smaller audiences but run more smoothly.
2: Yeah. Well, one of the things we had talked about earlier was the Rainbow Six Pro League, right? And this is one I want to ask Jules is you look at the Rainbow Six Pro League, which is just spinning up. There is no precedent. The only precedent set is it actually has lower viewership more than likely, at least it has, than HGC. In honesty, yeah. like mm-hmm. it's, I mean, I remember them running like their top end tournaments, their invitationals, and it, it peaking at like twelve k. That's like Tespa level Hearthstone, right? And, and that's so who listen, that's two tunes into Watch Seven. Exactly. No, but I'm <laughs> saying like those are those are the, the numbers, right? Yep, like yep. if you look at like actual Hearthstone, it is like the third tier of Hearthstone, and so uh, so when you have that, and then you go to something along the lines of like. The Rainbow Six Pro League, right? And you have all of these big-name people jumping onto it, right? Evil Geniuses, SK, Ninjas of Pajamas, Team Liquid, Immortals, all of them. But they're not in the HGC. Is it largely because they're drawn to the fact that that Ubisoft seems to have a three-year plan for them or a two-year plan for them with revenue sharing versus, well, we don't really know about this cheer stuff because we haven't (laughs) answered an email for six months? Like... it, Someone forgot to hit the deploy why? button. It's like, no, yeah. really. Like, what, What's the lure to a league that has less, but maybe there's stuff together? I'm probably answering the question for you. Versus HGC.
0: Well, you have to remember that HGC has always just been kind of the Wild West. Because HGC, as an entity, only started last year. But they've been competing since 2015 in like you know ESL tournaments. that They were kind of the homegrown thrown together tournaments. Sometimes they'd shown up at a dream hack. Sometimes they'd do an ESL and, uh, invitational, that kind of thing. And you had teams like Navi and uh, I think Evil Geniuses even had a team in there. They didn't last, they were gone. And it was just like, and even like Cloud9, Cloud9 was huge. I cheered for them in 2015. Yep. The problem is, is that, and I think the comparison comes to Rainbow Six League. They're coming out to the gate and they're saying, "We are organized. This is our plan. This is what we have." (laughs) And
1: we respond to emails.
0: Yeah, like in 2017, we had HTC form, which was like the heavens opened up, and all of us fans just went, "Oh, you know, so much better than seven would have done it." I know, and because we actually had an organized plan, and then like. Like last part of last year is when they switched around the team ownership guidelines so that now it wasn't actually owned by the team. It was owned by the sponsor or whoever owned like ownership guidelines because they were like, oh, man, we're having all these roster issues now because you can only trade two players and there's just all these issues. So every time it's just this really strange. It's all kind of Wild West. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like they don't quite know what they want to do, and they're learning as they go. And as a fan, that's really frustrating. <laughs>
2: well, let's let's talk. I want to talk a little bit more about the the change uh, in terms of who uh, who has ownership, right? I mean, yeah. I, I don't think in any other league currently, uh, maybe a little bit of Dota two, but that's even changing too, right? Dota is two is that, changing. Yeah that that players own it anymore right like we've had too many fiascos in other leagues and now you see brands not jumping into any kind of league where it says well your brand can be here but you're at the fate of your players and that's scary for any brand to jump into and i can almost guarantee you that there's there's things probably in dignitas and fanatics their players uh contracts contracts that basically say that have harsh harsh penalties for leaving In that case, to to stop them from leaving, essentially, right? Because they
0: can't leave; they are not permitted to leave until there's actually the release period. Um, So, like when they're in, they're in until the next release period can be. They can't quit unless something like happens to them personally, and they have to take a leave, and then they can't come back to the league for like a year. So,
1: Uh, but these are um, these are changes that have only come into play with the player ownership swapping to. The sponsors, right? Because if the, because no. part of the issue is everybody was moving around initially, was it not?
0: No. So here's how it worked before. The There were no team ownership guidelines. You could only swap two players per transfer, period. If you swapped more, you lost your spot in HGC. And whoever was in the open division competing at the top of that could get your spot. Mm-hmm. That's how it would work. So you could only do two-player roster swaps. And that didn't work. They brought in the team ownership guidelines, and then they allowed it to be three players that you could swap out. And now, totally changed, like, because the team... So before, it was the team that owned the spot, but you could only keep those two players. This is really confusing, I know. Um,
1: (laughs) Hold on. We need a flowchart. Too bad it's an audio show.
0: (laughs) Right? I know. When the, the team ownership guidelines came in, it was grandfathered in to be whoever... Like, so if your team was owned by a sponsor then you had that decision of whether or not the sponsor would own the spot or you as the players did. Jesus. It was this deci- – I know, it was really messy. I'm sorry, why don't and, we and- want to get
1: involved in this again? This sounds great. Exactly,
0: exactly. And so here's a really good example of this. Gale Force Esports from Two. the NA Division. I know, wah-wah. Um, the sponsor wants to get out of the HDC League. They then have to determine who of their players is going to own their spot. Michael Udall, clearly. Well, he does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the the biggest point here is now a team can retain their spot and wipe out all five of their players and just redo their roster and still stay in HGC.
1: Which only makes sense, right? Like you're the organization, you're investing in it. Uh, this has caused problems in the past. The seven reference, like I think most famously or most recently, CS:GO had all that fun, you know, Team North debacle and trying to figure that whole thing out. And I think when you don't come with it out of the gate, organizations move on, right? Like Thank when you. Paladins formed their new league with WESA. Yes, they get the WESA teams on board, but they got big names, but they know what they're signing up for. They know what the structure is. There's contracts in place. There's multi-year plans for how they get there. Rainbow Six Pro League looks like it's in the same boat. Um, RLCS has... Now, while they did not come out as structured in the beginning, they have certainly managed to maintain more high-profile squads. Now, some of that you could arguably say has to do with like the relative lower cost of running an RLCS mm-hmm. team versus an HGC team. I think what doesn't match to me, generally speaking, is as an outsider, I look at this and I go, they're asking a lot of these teams... And not providing them enough support or safety net. Because why am I going to invest in a league where there's unequal information provided, where only some squads are called out for specific things, where there's not a lot of there's, revenue sharing's not happening or disappearing for half a season, mm-hmm. and I could possibly get relegated on top of all of that? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you don't need to buy your way in, but it's expensive to run an HGC team, relatively speaking, to, to some of these other smaller leagues because of the lack of support that they're getting from, from Blizzard. And the upside is really, really low right now. And I don't know that you change that perception without just like a massive reboot. And I don't think Blizzard as a company is willing to do what, say, Hi-Rez is. I thought it was a bold move, regardless of how you feel about Paladins, a bold move to basically get a ready, out-of-the-box-made league out of Wessa. Blizzard's never going to lay in that bed with somebody. Like, they are never going to say, let's go find a ready-made group. Like, let's pull something like what we've seen with Rainbow Six. They will continue to try to hash through it until the HGC dies. And that's the part that saddens me, because I just don't feel like Heroes is a big enough eSport to try to make it, like, structure it and try to run it in, like, a weird version. You know, it it feels like it's trying to be too big while simultaneously having the support to be really, really tiny, if that makes any sense. Like, it's just, like, the resources versus aspirations are out of whack for this. And that's the part that, like, it feels, it just saddens me because I feel like there's something here that they're missing.
0: Well, here's here's the thing you got to understand, too, is that Blizzard throws all of the money at it. There was a statistic that I read recently in 2018 that from from like January to May, Blizzard or Heroes of the Storm was the fourth highest in in tournament winning money. So like their players won the fourth highest amount of money in tournament play. Like, think about that. That's against League of Legends.
1: So basically, it That's goes, what? Probably, league, probably goes League Dota, CSGO, and then Heroes, I'd imagine. Just given exactly.
0: Those. Number four. So, and it, it was higher than Hearthstone. So, when you think about it from that perspective, and you think about the fact that there's all of this money being thrown at the players to compete in these tournaments, where are we going wrong? Where is the problem?
1: How's it being distributed, I think, is the first question I would ask, right? Because Smite famously sat at the top of the esports earnings for years because they backloaded the grand finals. You won like a Mm -hmm. million, you know, zillion dollars in the grand finals, but you didn't make jack squat throughout the season. And when right. we talked to high when they made all the changes to the Smite Pro League, for example, so if you remember, they, they talked about how they needed to change the distribution, even if the same amount of money was available, to make it sustainable for teams that weren't going to win every year.
2: Yeah. Right. We, yeah, because you don't want to cycle through teams, uh, especially if, I mean... We saw it even with uh, Dota's d- done the change as well, right? To to spread it out over majors and so on and so forth. Because when you have just a win it all kind of scenario, uh, the r- there's too much risk involved for uh, for 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 team ownership, right? And players and the league, you tend to have. Uh, more fans and you develop more narratives and and more of a, a, like a more cohesive league. If everybody's getting something out of it versus only one team gets something out of it. And so one of the things that also, and I'm not too, I'm not sure how familiar um, people are with it, but like Vainglory is probably a good parallel to um, the heroes of the storm, right? You know, it started off. It was very grassrootsy building its own thing and then all of a sudden, kind of blew up with creating a, a league and a structure, and then having actual named teams hop in there, like I think SK Cloud Nine and Mount so Sports, on and so forth, yeah. Tempo Storm, yeah. So everybody kind of jumped in and did it, and they still retain some of those grassroots teams. I, I'm just still struggling to figure out like why HGc just can't garner that. I don't know. Is it because there's there the, the lack of events outside of Blizzard Run events? Is it because there's there's no other way for Either discovery of players, or, or even this, you know, showing off of tournaments or anything like that. It, it just, it's still just weird to me that HGC struggles while having a good payout. <laughs> like mm-hmm. that. I mean, Hearthstone struggles because the it's your payout is even if you have a good team, it's still based on a coin flip half the time. I'm just joking. It's not really, but it <laughs> feels that way. Right. Right. Yeah, it feels that way to to some of the pro players and the team ownership. Right. Like there's no. Really easy way to like constantly perform in Hearthstone. Um, It takes a lot of work. You can, but yeah, yeah. So I I don't see how I don't see why it hasn't taken off in HGC.
1: Yeah, so that's interesting. So like, Jules, is there anything to that? Like, is the money spread out enough? The HGC on paper looks fairly large to me when you look at it as a worldwide kind of setup. Like, does that money dwindle rapidly when you start to spread it out amongst you know thirty odd teams?
0: Yeah, because you're you're dealing with. Well, here's the here's the reason why I think it, it falls off. Like we have these we have these big tournaments, but they're only you know three four times a year, and that's about it. So like right now, the mid season brawl qualifiers are happening. Actually, it's the group stages that are in going into DreamHack, and that prize it, you know the the top I think it's a two hundred fifty thousand dollar prize pool for the the top teams. You know, hundred thousand dollars to the winner. I, it's like this is like this is BlizzCon level competition, right? And that's spread across five players,
1: plus whatever cut the organization gets, right?
0: Right. Yeah. And oh, and we forgot themselves. to give you cheering,
1: so you're
0: yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Any, any side cash?
0: I think that the development of the league is the hardest part of it because because there there is not a whole lot of it, like the opportunity to get into the league is throwing together a team from whatever the ladder you know hey i've played with these people on competitive ladder and they seem to be okay and then you fight your way through these amateur open cups that are happening that aren't even run by blizzard they're run by a company that is outside of blizzard um and it's this kind of it's very grassrootsy the problem is is that there's just it's very hard to develop being a a good player to get into the league and to qualify. It's very rare to see new blood coming in to that league. And I'm thinking about Overwatch for instance. There's contenders. There's 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 these like formulated leagues that are happening out there to help these players grow.
1: And Blizzard and owns then, all of them.
0: And Blizzard owns all of them and they're running that. And then you're reading about all of these like high school programs that are happening to foster players for Fortnite and League of Legends and Overwatch and and things like that they're not happening for heroes of the storm except for heroes of the dorm and that like I have talked to a whole bunch of people le- recently because I'm helping to run an open division HGC aspiring team so I've talked to a lot of coaches who have done heroes of the dorm and they literally, what they do is they put up a flyer on the frickin' billboard and say, hey, we'd like to create a team. And they get everybody from, like, silver rank to Grandmaster. And because there's nothing play- there's
1: nothing in place for these people to play otherwise. There's not this, like, TESPA yep. for Heroes of the Storm that they're participating in that we're plucking from. It's artificial demand. We're saying, hey, come potentially get a scholarship by playing Heroes of the Storm. And I'm in college, and I play Heroes of the Storm, so I qualify. Like yeah. I, I pulled the little number tab off the paper. It just feels when I sit, I'm sitting here and I've got like the standing sitting in front of me. And as I listen to this conversation, I can't get over the weird scale disparity here. Like, we talk a lot in many esports about how if they expand too big, it makes us nervous because the skill drop off, like, you go off that cliff, things get bad really quickly when it comes to quality of players that are available. And. You've got eight teams in North America, eight in the EU, eight in Korea, and then the eight in China. Not counting open teams, not counting ones in the, you know, the bubble and going up and down. That is a lot of teams for Heroes of the Storm. And because they're trying to do the multi-regionality thing that Overwatch League and StarCraft has done in the past, like it aspires to too much. If we just had an HGC and it was the top 10 Heroes of the Storm teams across the world, that would be far better. That's the WESA model, right? Like, let's just take eight teams yeah. and have a league. I think what gets lost is they're trying to have a 32-team league with a you know endless number of open... And the amount of resources going into... Not from Blizzard, but the amount of resources going in to determine who is going to be the team that goes up into the HGC and fails and implodes miserably until the next one comes along... Also, just seems out of place to me. Like, there's just, yeah. I, I get it. Keep the dream alive. We talked a lot about that on the show, but that just, it just feels too much for what the game currently is. And they would look a lot more successful if they just took the top, like, three teams from each bracket and consolidated it into an actual, like, Premier League. And then if you want to mm-hmm. drop the other teams down into some sort of sub league, yeah, if you want to waste that time and money, great. Um, but. In the end, I think the top twelve teams across the world watching them play constantly is far better than what we currently are dealing with.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I'm an NA fan, so I enjoy watching Friday, Saturday, and Sunday every weekend of games. I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie, um, but when you get to what's happening right now in the midseason brawl, which is literally like the top two of each region go and they compete against each other, and it's only like the top one from China, top one from ANZ. They, the skill gap is so wide, (laughs) Yep. so wide that the, you know, and it's like there's arguments about minor regions not getting the love and not getting the competition. And that would, Brian's suggestion would hopefully solve some of that, you know, to create a league where the competition is some of the best in the world instead of having the eight best teams in that region who... Maybe four or five of them are pretty amazing or kinda good and the rest of them are like, Yeah, they won one game this season. <laughs>
2: it's yeah. It's it's better it's better not to have it's better to have maybe a dozen or fourteen good teams versus a dozen okay or like five good teams seven okay-ish teams, and the rushing Shanghai dragons, right? Like, yes. <laughs> that
0: kind of thing. I knew you were going there. Well, China
2: is the biggest <laughs> country.
1: I think this, it's very interesting, right, because it's not just about the teams sucking. It's also like there might be a gem somewhere buried on a crappy team that would be better served on one of the more you know, successful teams. But because right. we have so many teams to spread it out across, Overwatch League can't support this many teams. Why do we think Heroes of the Storm can, I think is the most basic way that I can put this.
0: It's a good point, but Overwatch League wants to add more teams, so it's just going to get worse.
1: Yeah, and I don't agree with that move. I've been very, well, very vocal about that being a bad idea. Yeah.
2: Well, I th- also think HGC determined how many teams it was going to have in its franchise before Overwatch League figured it out, too. Yeah. And again, like I said, they were the testing ground for a lot. And I, I think they realized HGC is too much. We need to scale we scale it back to actually make things work. Uh, and Overwatch is where they're at with that, which is probably one of the reasons why they didn't go flat out like 30 something teams. Yeah. So,
1: well, and yeah. I would like to see that they could scale this back very easily. There are enough teams in the HGC that implode <laughs> that they can <could> just <laughs> let them implode and not replace them and just let it slowly dwindle down. I wouldn't actually let sure. it dwindle, but like, I, I, there's. It feels bad because there's this like half grin, half like, gritting of teeth going on on Jules' side because she loves this game. And I know we've been very super negative on this segment about Heroes of the Storm. And I, 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 I love the game. I think it's great. I think it has opened up the MOBA genre to a lot of people that otherwise wouldn't play, me included, like, not a big MOBA fan. That being said, like, talk about, like, t- eyes bigger than your stomach here. Like, it very much still feels that way. And I would love to see... I think the answer to the question that Seven posed is, why aren't all these teams these organizations getting in. Well, you've got a 1 in 32 chance where I can go into any other league that has similar sized prize pools and a 1 in 8 chance. And I know what I'm getting into and, it's, and my cheer bits are going to be available at the beginning of the season. <laughs> oh man. Well,
0: you can crap all over my game if you want to. I'm still going to love it and I'm crap. still going to support it. <laughs> That's
1: not crap. That's chocolate pudding. I don't know. Well, Jules, thank you for uh, coming in and listening to us i feel bad we just basically were like throwing vegetables at, at jules and heroes of the storm but, right. um you can catch jules uh we'll say every monday wednesday on esports daily but it's usually more days than that so thanks brian um thanks brian where else can people <laughs> where else can people find you
0: you can find me on twitter at jules rpg and my other um gaming podcast gamer advice podcast called torrent think tank and that is uh records on Thursdays. You can check it out at torinthinktank.com.
1: This week's topic when your friends pick on the game you love in a public setting.
0: I'm already writing it.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna take a half an hour to just talk about E3, because you know, we're nerds, we like games, and there's we can we can call it esports related. We'll be right back. <laughs> we're back and it's time to have a little fun well not that we don't have fun normally on the show but we're gonna have a little bit more fun it is e3 week which means the gamers in us in general get to get excited we get to read a lot of stupid articles about is this going to be the next esport is that going to be the next esport uh, but also get a look into some of the games that are basis for esports i think especially when you get into the console market and the fgc that tends to upgrade the games they're playing a lot faster um you tend to have a lot more eSports-related news that comes out of E3. There's also some interesting moves of franchises going back to PC, which I think will have an impact on eSports. So let's kick this off with some of the games that I saw that I'm super excited, and I think the most obvious thing we need to start with is Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Finally, it is a thing. It is happening, unless you're Waluigi, because then people are super sad if you're a Waluigi (laughs) fan. But every single fighter that has ever been in a smash brothers game of any type press ridley is is coming to the switch in december are we hyped are we super hyped or are we
2: just amazingly super hyped those are your three options uh all the above rolled up into one because seriously the here's the the thing that i is really impressing me the most is there's something weird going on at Nintendo it feels like they're paying attention for once and this is a, a very huge example of that bringing everybody back there were, like the reveal video was like 25 minutes long that went through like every character and some of their changes in their moves like and the different skins you get there, you can get skins from various versions of smash or from various versions of uh, the character and which the, the games that they played, and they talk about like what they're based on, and you know everything. Star Fox being on, on on the Zero Skin version, essentially, and so there's like all these cool things that they're doing, and uh, they they seem to be caring a lot more about it, not in just a, a console sense, but when they're talking about the different moves, and here are some of the new things you can do in the finishes, and so on and so forth. It feels like they're starting to get esports somewhat in mind, oh, and finally. if Nintendo. Yeah, and if Nintendo gets behind it, and I, that's what I tweeted. I was like, hey, this is amazing stuff. Now, Nintendo, back it up and work on your eSports stuff because this is the easiest win you'll have. All the, the hopes you had in trying to get arms into something, a quarter of that would have <laughs> made Smash. It's all Smash needed. A, yeah, that's all it needed, something. Yeah. It was just recognition. And it feels like Nintendo's starting to recognize Smash is their esport.
1: Yeah, and what is promising is we kicked all this off with a Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Invitational Tournament that was hosted at E3 by Nintendo, so kudos to them. Right. That's a very tiny first step, but I will take it. We also now have Smash on a current generation console. That is awesome. Um, oh, and, and you can use the GameCube. Controller, yes, Con- controller, yep, no. yep, which everybody's stoked what? about. Like what? that's something that was big when you know when they, obviously when they released smash on the Wii, we uh, got that or the Wii U, I should say, we got that as well. So like the fact that they brought that along with the Switch is great. Uh, there's nothing negative to say here unless you're a Waluigi fan. I know people are, and I, we're gonna get Waluigi. I was watching a video that IGN did where they were playing like All Ridley, but they were noting that they had um, bumped up the assist trophies. For that build, so they could see the options, and the one that they never came across was Waluigi. So we're holding out that my man is going to get a release as an official playable character. But sixty odd playable characters. There's, uh, by the way, for planning on casting this, I believe the number of potential combinations is like two thousand two hundred and seventeen <laughs> or something insane. Um, so yeah. better start brushing
2: up for that Nintendo sponsored Smash esports. And what's crazy is that they're not even like, from what I know of, they're not stair stepping it out. That's like launching with
1: yes, yes. There's not, there's not DLC. It's not like, this is not season one. Like this right, is what you right. Did
2: from the beginning, that's insanity. That's just insane. I'm, I'm and it's Awesome. It's like it's exactly what. It's more than what most people expected at all. Like they expected. Even just for them to release a new one, here's a character set. Just give us Wii U with the DLC. And yeah. yeah, I know. Like we
1: didn't just get the cop out we've got with like Mario Kart, which is like here's the Wii U version with all the DLC included. Like we got that in so much right, more. Right. So super stoked on that. December seventh, twenty eighteen. Get your pre orders in now. I expect everybody to be playing some mad smash all winter. It's gonna be awesome. Right. Along the FGC front as well, we got a couple of other things. So there were some announcements leading into it, including the surprise reveal of Dead or Alive 6, which is awesome, uh, with 100% less bikini action. So for those of you that sometimes wish the Dead or Alive franchise was not also associated with that horrible volleyball game.
2: um, It wasn't horrible. That was fun. Oh, my gosh, man. Back in the day, we played so much of that stuff. Cause you were no, like it wasn't like the pervy stuff and the, and the No, physics. no, it wasn't like nobody cared about that. But it was actually like fun to play against your friends with. Uh, well, now uh, you can I play
1: Mario why. Tennis. It'll be fine.
0: Yeah,
2: that, that's whatever. The, that's the adult. That's
1: what you play around the like kids. Nudge, <laughs> nudge, wink, wink. Oh God. oh God, Daddy's off to play Mario Tennis. <laughs> I, I'm glad to Sorry. see you've been working on your dad <laughs> jokes, there, pops. Good, good job. <laughs> oh man, we're also going to get Dragon Ball Fighters on the Switch. Woot! I can take Dragon Ball Fighters with me wherever I go, so I'm stoked about that. We got another arena fighter, so a three on three tag um arena fighter by Bandai Namco called Jump Force. This is going to include you're going to get even more Dragon Ball characters in a fighting game, which you know, okay. One Piece, Death Note, also going to be involved. We're going to see a lot of anime properties um from Jump that is going to be in Jump Force. Um, I have mixed feelings about yeah. this. Um, the previous games of this type, obviously, like there's uh, Dragon Ball's universe. Um, there is the other one that is escaping my memory, uh, J All Stars or whatever it's called. So there's i don't know I'm, I'm struggling here and it's also because i'm also really excited about another anime based arena fighter and i don't care how good or bad it is i'm going to play the living crap out of it which is the my hero academia one which was we also got to see some more character reveals for that if you are not watching my hero academia what is wrong with your life it is the best anime i have seen since cowboy bebop and i do not give
2: that recommendation lightly oh. Okay, so I guess I have to stop playing Dead or Alive Volleyball to go watch My Hero Academia. Yes, yet. what yeah. is wrong with you? It is the greatest I've anime. been playing beach volleyball. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, Mario Tennis. Anyways, right, Mario sorry, Tennis I'll quit was, with that bit. Wife, it's yeah. old now. It's, it's old. Anyways.
1: Moving along, um, there's also some interesting changes coming in the sports space. So, uh, unsurprisingly, we got our, our string of EA games. where um, They're going to make another freaking attempt at basketball. <laughs> Jesus.
2: Oh, look at that. Little,
1: throw it a little shade. Um, but we're going to get mad in NFL 19, obviously, and it's coming back to the PC, which I think is interesting. I would love to see them play the esport on the PC. Um, as opposed to a console. I know not everybody will feel that way, but I, I. whenever I see a game that has an eSport that's tied to a console coming to the PC, I'm always interested about that. We're, of course, giving FIFA 19 back, which will include the Champions League, which doesn't have a ton of eSports implications, but I'm super stoked to have the Champions League, which um, previously has been with Konami's series um, Evolution Pro Soccer, Pro Evolution Soccer, PES, yes, <laughs> um, that I haven't played a ton, and they keep losing licenses like a sinking ship. Um, they're like the HGC of soccer games. Uh, people Oh, Ooh, sorry, sorry, Jules. Um, but so we're gonna be seeing that, and we're gonna get NBA Live 19. The esports aspirations for that game should be eh, because it's probably gonna suck, and uh it doesn't get much more official than than literally having the NBA use your game to uh be an esport, so the chances of NBA Live becoming anything I don't have a whole lot of hope there.
2: I mean, you don't know, no, well-structured league and a little bit of incentive Shut up. and bam.
1: Shut up. Not the same thing when you literally have NBA teams (laughs) with franchises, but sure, we'll give them a shot. Um, Also, two interesting ones that tend to be lower-tier esports, but are going to be a big deal. We're getting Gears of War 5, um, and we're also getting Halo Infinite, which will also be coming back to the PC, which will be interesting to see where that goes for the respective Gears and Halo leagues, which have been... um, kind of not merged but they're played at a, a roughly the same time as microsoft's over both of those so um i'm uh, interested to see where both those yeah. go i'm stoked to see it come to the pc though
2: yeah there wasn't much in terms of playability actually halo they came out afterwards that yeah, was just an engine video I know. like it, it's literally just to show the engine and some of the art direction and how we're taking it because we've been working for years on this engine uh, <laughs> so they're like you don't take much in terms of gameplay or story so much from that but it was just a hey look Master Chief's helmet's changing. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Based on players' feedback, we want his helmet to change. I'm like, okay, I don't think that's the feedback you should be paying that much attention. Yes, yeah, so that was to. clearly the problem with Halo was that man right, right, Master right. Chief's
1: helmet just didn't adapt yeah. with my
2: tastes. <laughs> but but we gotta talk about Fortnite coming to Switch too, which is already on my Switch. Oh, oh yeah yeah, not coming to Switch. Literally, like, go download it yeah. now and yeah. it's and, already on Switch by the way.
1: Yes, it is. I already have it and. It uses the standard headphone jack for voice chat somehow magically. What? You do not need the stupid app. It is the first game on the Switch to natively support the standard headphone jack for a mic.
2: Oh. Welcome to 2018, Nintendo. Well, you got 125 million players. You've got some sway, I guess. You're going to allow us to use that headphone jack and let people talk into it. And
1: Nintendo's like, whatever you need. Now, an important note for people that are fans of Fortnite, and if you haven't played on the PS4 yet, do not play on the PS4 if you have aspirations to play on the Switch. Because if you've ever logged into Fortnite on the PS4, you cannot log in to that same account on the Switch. And this is thanks to our lovely friends at Sony yeah. that will not get their fucking shit together and allow people to play cross-platform. They are now the only holdout on so many games. Sony, you've got to lead in the console war. Stop being protectionist
2: and get into this. Because so, you, Sony's just always been that way. Why you always. gotta be that way,
1: man? You got great games. That's enough. Like, you've whooped the shit out of Microsoft this generation. Just let it be cross-platform. Let it breathe. Let me play with my sad friends that hell only have an Xbox. Like, it's just not... I'm going to piss off somebody. I actually don't care between Sony and Microsoft, but somebody's going to be like, what are you talking about? The Xbox is the <laughs> greatest console of all time, and you're an asshole. But yeah, so stoked about that. And we got the Celebrity, <laughs> the celebrity Pro-Am for Fortnite also took place today, which was won by Ninja surprise surprise actually i did not think he would win i think there was enough people involved i didn't think that was going to happen so him and your boy marshmallow um ended up winning the celeb I pro yeah going to happen yeah um but more esports related the fortnite world cup is coming um yeah not a ton of details here there's a really cool hype video everybody likes but what are your what are your thoughts here i mean i mean there's not much more to go on than what we already knew
2: well there there isn't, but the one thing that they did mention that I'm a little confused on is they're not allowing any teams like franchise teams for one, they said they're not franchising makes sense, right uh, they want to keep it open so the hundred million dollars is going towards uh, various tournaments. It sounded like a little bit like they will have ter- uh, tournaments that will then qualify for this World Cup, yep. and so that's how you compete in those random tournaments and you can get into it.
1: Keep it the they also said
2: on. they would not allow any third parties to cr- franchise teams, which means nobody else can create a league and franchise teams within that league and still compete within the World Cup piece, or yep. and or get any of that hundred million dollars. So, it's like, dangle out this hundred million and then tell nobody who knows anything about esports
1: that they can have it.
2: Well, and, no, yeah, it, that's just, that, that's weird, right? That they won't allow franchise teams and they won't allow anybody into it. Because eh, it, it's almost more messy that way, right? Because what happens if a team makes it pretty far, right, but then can't afford to go to whatever LAN event that is, right, that's going on? Because they don't have a franchise. It's just literally five guys who end up being really, really good, do they get sponsored? Does that count as being franchised? Yeah, what happens that, if they get sponsored? Like, are we are we blocking right. them
1: out that the only way they can make money is through this Fortnite league? And if somebody wants to, like, right. throw their name on a shirt, like, sorry.
2: Yeah, and, and what do you consider a, a, a franchise, right? What do you consider, like, an owned team, right? Like, the fact that you have to have an entity as a team to get sponsored, to pay to go to a land. It just, it seems like uh, some harsh words that might not be... Something that can be followed up And on top of it There's been a lot of Esports teams out there Or, or brands That have been Buying up teams And, and yep. so on and so forth And so It's kind of like An FU to them While they're trying to play Like it's for the people And I get it In some ways But we just talked about HGC having problems Because they didn't have it yep. We're talking about All these other groups That are franchising up To create leagues And now you're saying None of our 100 million Will go to that I I don't know You're going it <sighs> It creates a weird dichotomy within eSports. It, I don't get – I don't know how it, – will it work? Yeah, it'll, something will happen. It's Fortnite. Like, do, yeah. it's. I don't know.
1: It's interesting, right? Because I, I I, get it at a very basic level in that it's very Fortnite, right? Like anybody can play. Anybody can compete. We are the game of the people. Here's $100 million. Be good at the game. I get it. But that's not realistic. Like at some point, Fortnite is not going to be at the the peak of its pop culture awareness, but is very much at. If anybody watched that damn event today, though, it is certainly a little cringeworthy. There were some cringeworthy moments for sure, like when Ninja came out like a security team. Apparently, like, <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, he just had a meeting with uh, the leader of North
1: Korea. So, <laughs> him and Dennis Rodman were over there shedding tears <laughs> and solving nuclear yeah, problems. They're... They had
2: their own invitational over there,
1: right? He, he went from that to coming out with security and giving us a little nip slip like it was full on Super Bowl. It was, I, I don't know. It was, it, it's a weird, it's a weird scenario. $100 million is a lot of money if you're not planning on putting it into actually creating stability for teams, right? Like that's the interesting yeah. part is it's pure, you're telling me, I, and this is conjecture, but that means it's largely prize money and you're not going to be screwing around with profit sharing and things of that nature, maybe, or maybe like you'll get a ninja skin in Fortnite. Like maybe that's how they'll do it, well, right? And they'll be about the individual players. I don't know. It's it's weird. Uh, we don't know.
2: We don't even know what version, right? Is this gonna be solo queue, duos, squads? Like they said, uh, they said duo and squad. I thought. Okay, so I thought they did. I don't know. Again, they they're they went to kind of like the Valve school of how to give a press release that almost <laughs> makes sense. And so, Did they but DM even it to somebody I would say, but even less of the fact, like it wasn't sent to you by like a random DM on Twitter. Uh, it, uh, first ever season desist by a DM on Twitter. Uh, so, um, oh, well, whatever. That's a whole another story. I, I, it's still there's not a lot of info. There's like one line I think saying I don't have it up now, unfortunately. Saying like it was like maybe that they were just doing duos, and that was about it. Uh, not a a ton.
1: We have a hundred million dollars and It'll not change. much
2: else figured out. It Has
1: a name now, so we have a hundred million dollars and a name. Yeah, that's the only extent. It's like they gave it a name, all it, right. so. And they probably pissed yeah. off, and every esports organization simultaneously dropped all their Fortnite players.
2: I don't know because, in all honesty, they're you now content say, creators. Screw- <laughs> you, know, you can basically say, forget the the hundred million dollar prize money that could come from tournaments create your own fortnite league and still be successful unless fortnite has some kind of way shape or form saying no you can't have franchise teams and we won't allow you to play a league or do whatever there could be something in the eula i don't know um it is epic it's all about gdpr yeah we'll see i don't
1: i don't know yeah more questions than answers here Always. Yep. Uh, we also got a release of October eighteenth for Soul Calibur six. So soaked about that. Um, there is definitely more boob physics in uh, Soul Calibur six than there is in Dead or Alive. But is life. there volleyball? There is no volleyball. I apologize. There, there is no volleyball. Uh, generally speaking, you know the general gaming nerd in me. Outside of esports, uh, there's a lot to get excited about. Uh, that cyberpunk 2077 look like I just dig the yeah. aesthetic. I don't even need to know what I'm doing. Like I'm stoked about that. Uh, we're getting the sequel to Neo, which I'm excited about. Um, that and I'm going to mispronounce this. I don't even have the name in front of me, but that y- Yoshishuma or Toshishuma ghosts or whatever the hell it is with like. I don't know if you saw the demo for that, but that was gorgeous. I cannot wait to pop that on my 4K HDR TV because like I can just stand <laughs> at the top of one of those hills. It'll be like um, um,
2: Horizon Zero Dawn, where I'm like, I haven't even not really played it. I'm just like watching and taking screenshots. <laughs> I, I think the one the one funny thing that happened to me around the E3, uh, especially uh, Microsoft reveals, which I loved how Microsoft just had some great stuff. Uh, in their presentation, and but it was, uh, I think it was Sunday. I was was it Sunday or Saturday? Saturday I was having lunch with a f- friend of mine who works at On Stated Decay. He works for um, uh, Undead Labs, <laughs> and he was. I was talking. I was like, "Hey, you guys got anything going on for E3?" He goes no. You think we'd have something because we're like Microsoft's biggest selling game right now. They're like our sole publisher. Blah 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 blah. But we just released like last month. The game's doing great. But we don't have any kind of real presence at E3. And I go home and I kick on the thing. And it's like, yeah, we bought Undead Labs. I'm like, oh, all right. So there's your <laughs> surprise. Yeah, so, and, and then I get an email chain from some people from Xbox Live and, and whatever, a message chain. he's like, hey, welcome to the Microsoft family. And he's like, oh, yeah, thanks. Great. <laughs> he doesn't necessarily want to be one. But, but my, indie, my
1: indie studio dream is, is dead. Yeah, yeah.
2: So. but if it allows them to continue making state of decay in the like the to a much larger extent to include more than just like maybe couch co op kind of thing, mm-hmm. yeah, who knows? Not it's not eSport related at all, by the way. But I yeah, it cool. Eh, it's cool. Uh, the Spider Man game
1: continues to look amazing. I am su- super stoked for Insomniac's new Spider Man game. Like everything I've heard about it and how it plays is pretty amazing. Oh man, there's just there's so much for getting Mario Party that uses like two switches at the same time. Kingdom Hearts three got delayed till
2: 2019, which is gonna get people super worked up. Let's <laughs> I I, that's, I, wa- I do want to mention one other thing that happened in the uh, yeah. Microsoft reveal, which was the the Gears of War right. <laughs> the Gears of War reveal was hilarious, hilarious. So it's like they immediately splash up like the Gears five logo, and everybody's like yeah, and then they're like another logo. It's like. Funko pop and they're like yeah it's coming to mobile and everybody's like i swear they they had to abduct the the, the audio from like <laughs> <laughs> the group because it was it was like the reveal of like artifact at like the international it was like oh <laughs> like it happened to to like by
1: the way it's coming
2: supposedly this fall oh okay uh it's Sorry. growing you're it right it's kind that's, of funky.
1: That's fucking hilarious it's the artifact yeah. response <laughs>
2: Yeah, but it was like that. And I was like, Oh and then they released the like, Oh, but then we're also doing like a tactics thing and everybody's like, Hey oh, and, and then they're like and then it's almost like they were like, Okay, we're done with that announcement but like, oh yeah, by the way, boom, Gears of War Vibe and it was like yes! <laughs> But it was just like total roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> love was like, I love it. I love it. Fucking the audience.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, Last of Us Part Two has had the kiss heard around the world. Like, actually, like if you've ever want to see people, I just really get, care, dude. You get a It's really good animation. I mean, I, I think it's awesome from a diversity standpoint. Um, but it was like crazy how it just became about that like kiss. Um, yep. Death Stranding, Death Stranding continues to be the game that I wish was a movie because the more they reveal, the more just fucked up it is. And I want you to like get yeah. Guillermo del Toro to like
2: just make a fucking film about it because it's like dope yeah. as hell. It's it's always awkward when you're like uh, trailer starts off with a baby's ass. So
1: <laughs> but they made it work.
2: <laughs> they made it work. I have no idea. I have. They made the baby's Can ass we work. The show. Can we end the show? We've gone from like beach volleyball to like they made that baby's ass work. That Baby's
1: <laughs> ass worked for me. You know it makes sense in the context of the story. Oh, I have no fucking God. idea what the context of the story is. But I will say this: I'm buying it. And I don't even care if it's just one of those interactive movies where I just walk around and talk to people because there's something weird and crazy going on. And the more <laughs> I see of it, the more I want to know. And yes, that the- is
2: if, if like dominoes and any state that if Domino's doesn't jump into it with any state that has like Lilay's pot, I don't know. <laughs> That's like a huge misstep uh, on their part because like. That is a get high and play it. I'm just yeah don't talk to people because you're too paranoid. I don't know. It's like it's so weird. I know, there's I have no clue what's
1: going on, and the more they show the less I understand, but I want it all the same.
2: You name me any game in the history of games where you can walk around with a baby in a bucket basically <laughs> and people are like this game is cool like, this no. is so awesome like yeah like literally all that
1: showed was uh, the main character walking around a lot with babies and suitcases and you know it, it's we're sold it's my second favorite game behind the gears of war funko pop mobile game like if i'm being honest so it's a, all right, well, it's a high level of recommendation. But yeah, overall, like, we'll see. I'm, I'm, you know, It's been a good E3. Um, I'm going through my usual cycle of pre-ordering all the games on Amazon. And then over the year, I will slowly cancel all those pre-orders as I
2: realize that I still haven't played <laughs> last
1: year's games. Um, as <laughs> you
2: see more and more of the game revealed and get more and more disappointed from the,
1: uh, the You know, if there would have been more baby ass, I would have been all about this. But unfortunately, not enough baby ass for me to continue to pre-order your game. So, yeah, that's E3 and nothing to do with esports, but, you know, it is what it is. So I think that's going to do it for this week's show. As always, if you want to check us out, you can on all your major podcatchers. We're on iTunes, Overcast, Pocketcast, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. You can get the RSS feed over at nerfthis.gg. And we always appreciate it if you check out our new daily show, Esports Daily, by myself, Seven, and Jules, where we bring you the top headlines in under three minutes from the day in esports. Uh, We appreciate those iTunes reviews. Keep those coming. We got an awesome one from Davey who says, we are the strongest esports cast out. Out there right now pouring out for the eSports podcast if we're if we're leading the pack uh, we really know our uh, business and ecosystem and we know when to crack a joke which I don't think I necessarily agree with but I appreciate that he thinks that we know when to crack a joke Maybe he thinks
2: the whole show's a joke.
1: I don't know. <laughs> He's like, I'm just being trolled. Where's the baby ass? That's that's really what he wants to know. <laughs> if you work baby, show. if you work baby ass into your five star review, it's guaranteed to get read on the show. So keep those coming. We oh, appreciate thanks it. For <laughs> thanks for that. Thanks for that. Make sure people discover this crazy shit show of of esports podcast. Uh, you can also reach out to us on social media. We're available on the Twitters at Nerf This Crew. Um, you can also hit us up on Facebook and Instagram at Nerf This GG. That's going to do it for this week. We will see everybody next week with yet another episode of Murphless. <laughs>